Exploring the healing and culture building practices of embodied anti-racism. This is With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Hello and welcome to another episode. I believe this is episode nine of yes. Unite. We're almost in double figures. <laughs> they kept us on the air this long. I I, know, right? I didn't know we were gonna make it past seven. Seven was my seven was my cutoff number, but here we go. This is with love and justice for all. I'm Reverend Ogan Holder sitting here with my partner in crime, I mean in consciousness, uh Reverend Kelly Isla. And we are about the business of having conversations around embodied anti-racism, dismantling oppression, uh, especially the special challenges that us spiritual sp- uh, seekers and members of spiritual communities might encounter. Uh, so on today's episode, we are calling it nice racism because, you know, um, we, we do, we do stuff. We do book groups. We do, we do affinity groups. Uh, by the way, if you're listening to this on Tuesday or before Wednesday, um, before Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, we, we, we're having our, our monthly twice month um, affinity groups happening. Um, look that up on projectsanctus.com and people of all backgrounds come together and, and we have, we have some honest conversations around where yeah. we, where, where we, where we, where we stand on the spectrum of anti-racism and, and white supremacy and all this stuff. It's a, uh, it's some, some good, some good deep learning goes on. And yes, yes, it is a little uncomfortable at times and it should be because, as we always say, it is in the tension of discomfort that that growth and healing happens. But uh, and and we presented workshops and conferences, and um, believe it or not, believe it or not, we've gotten some feedback. We we've have. Got, we've Someone gotten some. Like what we're saying. We got some feedback. We got some pushback. We have some really, really, um, shall we say, eloquent sounding refutations of of what we present in terms of the discussion around anti-racism and heaven forbid the products of white supremacy culture exist in our spiritual community so um so so the pushback often is quote unquote nice <laughs> so we we're going we're going to talk about this what we mean by by nice racism and um, I should also mention that speaking of book studies, this is the next book study we're going to do. Uh, Robin D'Angelo, the author of the book White Fragility, which many of you might be familiar with, um, has recently released a, a, a second book called uh, Nice Racism. And the whole the whole point of the book is having discussions around how sometimes um, really well-meaning um, white uh, and anti-racist or thinking of themselves as anti-racist progressives sometimes unknowingly um, continue to perpetuate uh, racial harm. Um, so so that's what the book is about. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. And as an added bonus, we're going to share with you um, some of the feedback and pushback that we've received so that we can have discussions around them. This is we're not going to share the names of anybody who has submitted um, stuff to us. This is not about out in them or is embarrassing them, but this is about um, having discussions around some of the, I guess, thinking that exists in our spiritual communities. Because because this feedback all came from folks within within unity communities. Um, some uh, some of the thinking that um, again might be well meaning, but continues to perpetuate uh, racial harm, continues to perpetuate uh, the white supremacy culture norms that we talk about. And one of the things we got to start with is I think we did this last week, no week before, because last week was a great episode around food with with Derek Weston. Yes. So if you're jumping in and this is the first episode you're listening to with us, well, listen to all the ones before, of course. But oh, yeah, hello, hello. But yeah. but last week's was last week's was particularly good, Apparently. and it may not have anything to do with the fact that I wasn't on it. It's coincidence. Uh, we're, we're, the jury is still out on that. Uh, like I said, may not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> may, may not. Um, but but um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we we talked about terminology, and one of the one of the things, one of the feedback that we get often is 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 we use we use triggering terms, right? Like one I just mentioned, white supremacy, and the 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 the, 
the issue is that when we say the term white supremacy, what comes to mind right away is the extreme versions of that that we see in our world today, from KKK to neo-Nazis to Proud Boys to the Boogaloo Boys to you name whatever far extreme um, white supremacist group there is. The very, the very far right, the very violent. Yes. The, the, um, yeah. And, and so using that term supremacy is, um, seriously activating. Exactly. So when we say that in, in our groups, you know, nor, you know, naturally people push back. That's not who we are. Are you saying that's who we are? We're not them. And, and first of all, we're not saying that you are them. What we're saying is that the uh, ideology and, and around, around whiteness as the de facto standard has many forms. It looks a lot of different ways from the extreme on those ends to the very, very subtle. Oh, yes. Very subtle. So, so, so. So we're going to unpack that a little bit more today, just to be clear. And then we're going to talk about, uh, again, some of the feedback, feedback we, we, we got. So, so when we say the word racism, right, we're referring again to a system, a system that, uh, out of which, uh, laws and processes were, were developed and still exist in this country, whether they're, um, again, to the extreme or to the subtle that maintain um, a culture that benefits one particular race. Uh, and, and let me dial that back. That, that, that is set up to not just benefit one particular race, but also create roadblocks and disadvantages for anyone who does not belong to that, to that race. Now, the idea, if you've read White Fragility, is not for you, if you were white, to hear this, be upset, be, be, feel bad, be guilty around it, but rather to go, huh, okay, let me see if that is true. And if it is, is that the system I want to continue living under if I say I'm a person who wants to manifest love and oneness in the world? And if you're not, then how can we do the work around anti-racism? It's not us accusing you and telling you you're a bad person. It's us saying you may not have, you, you were born into a system that already right. exists. Yes. <laughs> right. right? Yeah, you, it's, you, it's didn't, really, you didn't make it. Right. It's really important to make that distinction. And it's one of the, as a, as a person, me, I'm, I'm a white person, you know, largely moved through this world as a white body. And uh, it's really important to make that distinction in order to uh, in, in order to deconstruct the the system the the um, systemic uh, system that we call racism that that is historic that is intergenerational that is persistent that is personal personal that's organizational and so we as a as as a white me as a white person have to learn to unhook that the that you know emotional hook that i didn't create it like own that i didn't create the system and at the same time own the fact that i also perpetuate it unknowingly not because i'm i'm a bad person not because i have a cold heart not because i think people are less than me um that's and what happens is, is people hear the word even the racism even that word racism we we have to learn to we got to get a little bit thicker skin yeah. i mean I, I, like really like put on our once in a while i use the term you know every once in a while we got to put on our big girl panties you know and just like acknowledge what is and keep moving and right. i get to, i get to you know i get to have my feelings about racism i get to have my my own um um you know upset or whatever but you know i i process that and i work through that with other white people um, but, you know, out in the world and like here on the radio and the work that you and I do, I just have to say what is that that it is. Here's the water we're all swimming in. We're all drinking it. And what's mine to do? Um, yeah. 
And 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 we covered this a few episodes ago, episode six. Um, uh, we it was entitled "Forgive them for they know not what they say." You know, um, certain um, common phrases that exist in our culture that do have those um, racist origins. Uh, those are some ways that that we continue to perpetuate it. Again, it doesn't matter if we feel that way. If we're saying the things. We're perpetuating the energy of it. We're in unity. You, you know, we believe in energy. We know you, we believe in the power of the words that we say. Um, and, and, and we, and we always say to people, it's, 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 um, you know, mind your words. So if you're going to use words, whether you feel it or not, if you use words that perpetuate harm, then that's something you got to take a look at. And again, if you don't know what you don't know, you don't know it. And that's not. A reason that's not an excuse get to know it educate yourself go look go to visit dr google and say you know you know uh american common common sayings with racist origins and boom there it is there's also it's it's important uh, and and the term supremacy like mm-hmm. it's it it's what we're talking about again and it's really important to get this and if you're hear the word and you find yourself activated by it good be with that and and work yourself through it to understand that just if you're a white person listening to this and you hear that and you and you get uncomfortable and you get triggered and you're like but I'm not yes simply because of the color of your skin it just is own it and keep moving and 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 where we have to start is you know, if you want to, if you want to, who, you know, where is racism? Just start right at home, like look in the mirror and start learning, um, you know, and really, like you said, Dr. Google, um, being nice isn't the same as being educated, uh, yeah. you know, or taking responsibility for the harm that I cause, you know, it's that it just this that's the thing. One of the hardest parts about this work as a, a white body individual is that my presence alone causes harm. And so my work in decentering whiteness and deconstructing racism and building a culture of caretaking, because we don't have, there's no such thing as white culture. <laughs> so to build a culture of caretaking means it, it's about doing less harm. Yeah. Um, And so when we say the word supremacy, it's about a power differential. Racism traumatizes everyone. We say that all the time. And it traumatizes um, black bodies, bodies of culture with internalized oppression and white bodies with internalized supremacy. And that's just that's kind of the, the structure. And that's what we talk about. So that we wanted to set that groundwork. We're going to talk about nice racism is to understand the the language, understand the words and how we're using them. So when we right. say racism, it's not, I'm not, it's not a noun that I'm calling someone a racist because I, there are, I wouldn't call myself a racist. That being said, there are times that I have a thought or something comes out of my mm-hmm. mouth that could be labeled as racist. It's, it's more of a verb. Right. And, and, and one has to, one has to develop a relationship with these terms that, that yeah. you, that you see them as, um, as descriptive, not prescriptive, as in we're, we're, we, we are, we're, we're describing the situation. We're not, we're not accusing, we're not pre- prescribing it onto you saying this, uh, this is, we, we are blaming you for this. What we're simply saying is, we are we're all in this together and let's be clear some of us so we, because of that power differential you talked about supremacy the power differential because the system was designed to benefit one group more than others there is that power differential and because um a white, a white body like you is in that position that benefits more you are in a better position and i shouldn't even say a better position but you are in the best position to enact the change to, yes, to help dismantle the system. Yes, there are some ways that that I I have more power, you know, more unearned benefits and power and privilege than you. And there are right. some ways that you that the opposite is, you know, that you also have some yes. some some um, you know, we talk about our social location, but mm-hmm. where is the power? Where is the privilege? And using that, yes, for the greater good. For the greater good. Ooh, speaking of dismantling oppression 
I have to say, I was going to say this, but sure I forget. I have to give a shout out to my, my home country, Barbados. Oh, today, yes. today is its 55th, uh, the anniversary, 55th anniversary of independence from Britain. So we are 55 years old as a nation today. However, when we became independent in 1966, we continued, um, I guess, a, a, a what do you call it, um, Commonwealth type relationship with England, whereby the Queen was still the de facto head of state, right? Um, other former colonies have this relationship, Australia, Canada, a couple other places as well. Last night, or rather this morning, at the stroke of midnight, at the stroke of midnight, we officially severed those ties, and now Barbados is now a fully independent republic. Yeah. We have we have we have we have severed the uh, the final ties of colonialism. Um, we no longer have a queen as the 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 head of state. And when I say head of state, you know, think of it think of it as, as how Britain is set up now. You know, there's there's Queen Elizabeth. And, and and the monarchy and the royals, but they're mostly ceremonial, historical. There's still a there's still a government and a prime minister that, that does the work of governing, right? So Barbados is the same way. We've had a prime minister uh you know since nineteen sixty six. We 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 pretty much make those governmental decisions on our own. Um or our current prime minister, um Mia Motley is an amazing woman. Um look her up. Um anyways, but last night we did the official severing and the queen's representative was uh had the title the governor general she has now been elected as our first president we have a president we have a prime minister uh, it was a great amazing ceremony last night there was singing dancing jubilation for like four hours streaming on youtube i probably got more immersion in my culture in you know last night for six hours than i did for i don't know the 20 years i've been living here in this country it was awesome so congrats to barbados uh, for that um and yeah keep on keep on going that was some good dismantling last night yes um and um and because because we love to do this uh we we have appointed some individuals as national heroes um an example of one is if you're into cricket uh garfield sober is one of the greatest cricketers that ever lived he's been a national hero for years and years and years last night we made rihanna a national hero oh my gosh Yes, she's she's racking up the titles. So wow. Grammy winner and now national hero. So shout out to Barbados for that. So back on track now. Um, so when we when we talk about nice racism, one of the ways that that quote unquote niceness shows up a lot is in the form of what we call microaggressions. And what microaggressions mean is that we're not, again, being overtly harmful. We're not saying an overtly racist thing. We're not being overtly discriminatory. But we say some things that kind of, you know, indicate that that uh, white supremacy cultural norm is at play. So, for example, if you're a white person and you're in conversation and you're, you're, you're progressive and you think you're woke and you're trying to show that in a conversation, you might find yourself doing things like, oh, well, I am not racist because here's my black friends. I, I here's here's all the black friends I have, or I have black people in my family, and it's not a problem. Um, my boss is black. My boss is black. You know, I hire black people. You know, um, if you if you find yourselves uh, trying too hard to prove that you're woke, um, if you you know, there's 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 that there's that thing um, as 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 well. Um, if you if you are what's what's another good what's another good example here? Well, the 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 whole thing around good intentions. Oh yes, yes. There's there's yeah. there's that too. We've we've talked about intention uh, versus versus impact, um, and and microaggressions are also what you're not doing, right? Yeah. So you say you're an ally and you say you're progressive and you say you're anti-racist, but yet when you see something happening at work. For example, a, a person of color is 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 being overtly discriminated against, and you don't do anything. You don't say anything. Yeah. You know that 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 sort of deal. Um, you know that's that's microaggression as well. That's 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 what we mean by the nice racism. You're you're not allowing you you are it's it's convenient for you once you're comfortable. If yeah, there's a right. possibility of you becoming really uncomfortable or yeah. being put in the crosshairs, then maybe not as much. 
So we've grown up in this very thick soup of racist messaging that we don't even realize, right? White, think of white privilege as a, as a virus that constantly mutates. Um, so we, we have uh, generally, so, well, I also, let me backpedal just a moment because this is part of the feedback that we've gotten before about, you can't lump all white people together, you know? Mm, yes. And yes, I can a little bit, uh, for some things, because it's the the white body cultural norms that are our country, that are that make up that created our system of government, that created you know the police, the system of policing and and law. The um, the, it's just you know how capitalism, you know how I mean, um, and you know we have to. This is the part where we have to go, Doctor Google, and really educate ourselves. But we have a number of advantages that that we don't we as generally as white bodies don't realize it. And people think privilege means, well, I didn't I grew up poor. I didn't Mm. I had to work for everything that I have. Okay, and you still are have greater access, easier access to education, to healthcare, to um, to a whole lot of things. Um, and and to remember that originally it, it was racism that helped create the caste system. Yes. And when, when we say caste, now we're referring more to the economics of things, the caste system that inadvertently also affects white people as well. Um, again, the yes. book, the sum of us that we talked about really addresses that, but I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought up the police and, and white privilege because, um, I got, I got this letter and we got time to jump into this before break. I got this letter's response to an article I wrote in, in uni magazine about, about spiritual bypassing. And I, and I spoke about, um, I spoke about, um, unity theology is a very, um, white privilege theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I got a, and I got a letter, a very angry letter from a reader. Now, let me fast forward to the end. Uh, I got this angry letter. I responded to her. We had a couple of exchanges and by the end of it all, we became friends. Yeah. Like her, her last email she wrote to me was like, I really like you. I was like, I like you too. Right. So, so, but part of it was again breaking down that languages and getting a deeper understanding about what I was talking about, which is sometimes hard to do in like 1200 words, right? So, so let me read a little bit about what she wrote. She said, um, the article by you in Uni Magazine wants me, makes me want to leave Unity. White privilege theology. I'm tired about hearing about white privilege. I hope people will wake up and see that the reason police kill and get away with it is because police unions have the power and until that is seen and power is taken away from them it will continue for all races my white 17 year old son privileged son was killed by a union officer and no one even slapped the killer's wrists so uh, there's 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 more and then she goes on to say white privilege is a racist term so so Kelly just did an, a, a great example of, 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 I guess, defining, describing what white privilege is. And, and of course, when I responded to her, the first thing I, I did was address the, the grief of losing her son. Uh, I don't know what that feels like. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, my kid don't text me back for three days, and I, I got to do all the spiritual tools to calm myself, right? So I can't even imagine what that's, what's, what that's like. And I spoke to that, and I also reminded her, there is a quite possibility as now an older white woman, you have no experience of what it feels like to be me in, 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 in my skin. So we talked about that, but one of the things we talked about, again, defining what right privilege really was, but we talked about the history of policing and realizing policing and police unions from its earliest days. Yes, it did have, uh, you know, it, police units really, set up to chase down escaped slaves to help manage. In fact, the first, the first code of conduct for police officers around protect and servant explicitly said it was not applying to black folk. Now, again, don't lose your minds and saying, I'm saying this about all police officers. No, I am not. Right. Of course, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying about all police officers, but I'm saying because the same energy of that beginning 
is still rampant in police forces and continues in a train. And this is why we see so many examples of when there's a white person who is committing a crime, there tends to be a calmer, more, let's calm you down and take you in alive. Whereas when it's a person of color, there tends to be a, I'm going for my gun. Right. right. Or in the case of Minneapolis recently, I'm going from a taser, but conveniently pull my gun instead. Right. Right. So there's this there's this thinking, there's this psychology that people of color are dangerous and immediate harm. And we have to put them down at all costs. And yeah. and a great a great book to read about that is a uh, resume mannequins, uh, my grandmother's hands. He has specific language in around. Uh, policemen and the and the energy they carry in their bodies and the history of policing that continues to be uh, perpetuated. So, so well, that's I part of that, that's part of that thick soup. It's part of that thick. Part and, of that and thick that black soup, people yeah. are lazy and they just need to work harder. And you exactly. know, you probably were up to no good if the police are coming at you that way. Uh, exactly. Why didn't they just stop running? <laughs> Why yeah. didn't they listen? Right. We hear that. We hear that a lot. Well, speaking of listening. Speak of listening, we hope you keep listening. When we come back from our break, uh, we're going to talk some more about some more feedback and some examples of this. You are listening to With Love and Justice for All. We'll be right back. You're listening to With Love and Justice for All with Reverend Ogan Holder and Reverend Kelly Isola. Welcome back to With Love and Justice for All. I'm Reverend Kelly Isola with my um, partner in consciousness, Reverend Ogan Holder. And I uh, want to remind you, we are today we're talking about nice racism and we're also talking about some uh, feedback that we have gotten over the over the over a bit of time, weeks or months, and not all, believe it or not, not everybody enjoys what we have to say. Not everybody resonates. Um, so we are talking about nice racism and um, want to respond to some of the feedback we get that's not uh, where where people don't enjoy what we have to say. And, I, and part of that is also inviting you to December 14th, our um, show is going to be about about feedback. We want to hear from you. Um, so we want to hear from our friends and frenemies. I think that's what we've said. That's what we call it. Friends and frenemies. Friends and frenemies. So we do want to hear from you. We want to know what you have to say, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it's We have to be having these conversations. We have to be getting uncomfortable and we have to be learning, you know, I don't know what I don't know and uh, and, yeah. and participating. So and 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 if you're thinking, wait, I don't want to tell them anything. I don't want them to know it's me. Uh, we we have a form that you can anonymously. I believe it's anonymously. I still sometimes don't know how Google Forms work well. I should know these things, but I think you can anonymously submit your questions, comments, feedback. You know, again, it doesn't have to be positive. We'll take it all. <laughs> we yeah. we actually want to take it all. We we actually, in a weird way, I'll speak for myself. Um, I would rather hear the comments of people who don't agree with what we're saying so we can clear up some of the misconceptions, right? right? That's, that, that's what we're doing in this episode. So, uh, so please don't, don't feel like it's, it's gotta be all supportive. We like the supportive stuff too. That, <laughs> that helps us <laughs> realize we're not losing our minds here. Um, well, you can also call in, you know, yes. uh, the number is 816-251-3555. You can actually call in and, you know, don't even have to use your real name, I guess, with us. Or and your voice. Use a voice distorter. Yeah, you, you can know. use a voice. Anyway, we would like to hear from you. And we're going to talk, uh, get your feedback. And on December 14th, that's what the show will be about, friends and frenemies. Hi, hire oh. a friend to read the question out loud so we don't there recognize you your voice. Okay. I got I got, I got you back. I got you. <laughs> When we went to break, you were talking about you were talking about some feedback and and the uh, woman whose son was um, uh, shot by a police officer, shot by a police officer. And um, and anyway, and and that uh, the, and to be clear, she was white. Her son was white. And and her 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 comment was white privilege didn't work for her. So so stop right. talking about it. Right. 
And also just if you're tuning in, the, you know, Ogans uh, had several, you know, uh, back and forth emails. And at the end, she said, I really like you. And it was, you know, the exchange was really quite powerful. And, and, you know, it's that kind of feedback that, that we, that's where we learn. That's where we get to see what we need to say a little more clearly or where we need to do some more educating or unpacking of things like at the very beginning of the show. But she, the, the idea of when she's, when someone says, well, white privilege doesn't pertain to me, you know, or, or why are you lumping everybody together? Like, that's a big one that, uh, and I said it earlier about this, you know, this monolithic and like, as it's an unfair generalization to say things about white people as though it's one, one group, but it's actually the myth of individualism. Um, that's what uh, Robin D'Angelo calls it in uh, in the book Nice Racism, is one of the most persistent aspects of nice racism. And what that means is that, of course, all white people are not one homogenous group, that we were, were each raised differently. And yes, people are raised not to, you know, overtly discriminate or be racist. Um, the challenge with that, though, is that that's a it's a myth that um, that there's not a collective consciousness going on. It's unconscious. It's the you know, we, we use that um, that quote of, you know, racism is not the shark in the water. It is the water that we're all immersed in, that we're all drinking. Um, there are a lot of white people engaged in, you know, social justice work and teachers and, you know, spiritual leaders and, um, and live in diverse communities. And um, the, the problem with it is that uh, there's this assumption of individualism, meaning that um, that we, that nice racism or nice racist or people that are well-intentioned think of racism as a problem that everyone relates to as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what that means of the, the, um, you know, individual it's, and it's, again, it's not discounting someone's individual experience. Like I never want to discount this woman's experience of right. losing her son. And um, there's no, uh, you know, there, there's no opt-out clause. It, it is. It just is by the by. Systemic racism is um, there is a collective white body supremacy norms that we live by that we perpetuate, and so. Yeah. Um, so giving, I wanna... up, giving up that individual thing is really really hard. It, it is. It is. Um, this leads me to another another um, piece of feedback that we got from a, um, a conference we recently presented at, um, and and this individual emailed us and said a lot of stuff, um, and again he said it really nicely, um, but I do want to pull out a couple things uh, that were said, um, and one of them is is this. Um, racism affects all of us and all of us have to work on it. True. To point fingers at one skin color by its very definition is itself racism. I object to singling out and telling white bodies that they should consider adopting certain practices to correct the wrongs of history. All right. So that's just one part I want to start with. And, and my response, especially the part of to point fingers at one skin color by its very definition is itself racism. That is not what racism is at all. Again, from the top of the show, racism is a system. In fact, the uh, CDC, Centers for Disease Control, they actually have a great definition. Uh, it's a system consisting of structures, policies, practices, and norms that assigns value and determines opportunity based on the way people look or the color of their skin. This results in conditions that unfairly advantage some and disadvantage others throughout society. Okay. To acknowledge that they are ra- So that's, that's a quote. This is me talking now. To acknowledge that they are racial differences is not racism. To acknowledge that the system the, of racism ad, uh, unfairly advantages white bodies and disadvantages people of color is not call in a white person racist again we just describe in the system okay so yes there is work for white bodies to do and practices to employ there's work for all of us 
Um, and I believe at this conference that we did, we spoke specifically to, to white bodies. And I think this individual or that is uh, saying, oh, it's only the white folk that got work to do dismantling uh, racism. Uh, to clear that up, no, it's not. But let's be clear, because the system, again, specifically benefits white bodies, whether you consciously take advantage of the system or not, you, you, it just inherently benefits you. Yes, you are in the position really to do the work of dismantling. By the way, people of color, we've been working on this since we've been here, right? Like, like the 400 years since enslaved people were brought to this country, uh, black people for the, for the hundred, for even the decades before that, that the uh, Native American people have, have been taken advantage of and exploited. We have been doing the work to dismantle this system of racism. So, so part of it is to, is to acknowledge that, that yeah, some of us have a head start and some of you got some catching up to do uh, around that. Well, it's, it's what, what um, one of the, so here's another challenge about it is that with nice racism is that um, it is possible for a a white person to be racist and experience oppression at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, yes, yes, and, yes. And so, so when, when people, when white bodies, you know, get very activated, like you're lumping us all together and I'm not a racist and I wasn't raised that way. And I grew up with nothing. And, and, you know, it's, um, it, it's almost, it can, I think sometimes people have this experience that, you know, my uh, lived experience of suffering and oppression is being invalidated. And it's not um, as hard as someone's personal experience may be, like of poverty, um, you know, um, it wasn't made harder on account of your skin color. Right. And that's white privilege. Yes. Yes. And in fact, uh, in that same email, one of the things this person said was, you know, labels that we use, and we use terms white wall of apathy. We talked about culture of white supremacy and dominance, white supremacy thinking, white dominant culture norms. Um, he said, many of the attributes described under these terms are not unique to any group, but if skin color is removed, can be found in most every culture. Now, when someone says, if skin color is removed, uh, like that's a real convenient hypothetical. <laughs> Right. And also an impossibility. Right. It's, it's just not going to happen. And it is a it is, again, when we talk about microaggressions, when we talk about when we talk about nice racism, um, it is convenient for a white body to say if skin color is removed because, again, it is a system that was set up to benefit. Well, white is never racialized. White is never racialized, right? White, white's the standard. Everything is other than. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So, no, my skin color cannot be removed. Right. right? Technically, neither can yours. <laughs> right. So, what? So, if you say skin, so finish the thought out. Yeah. It's sort of yeah. like when we use the word diverse. It's like diverse right. from what? Yeah. Diverse from the standard from which everything else is measured, which is the white body. So if you say, if you take out skin color, what? So everybody's green? So what, you know, right. what, what, it's right. not even possible. Right. Exactly. 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 So, so this was one of these exchanges that may or may not have ended well. It might still be ongoing. Uh, Cause I, you know, I, I, pulled out some some of the things in the email i responded back and he responded back again i mean again lots of stuff but one of the things that he said was um i've listed below a few resources on understanding race issues in the united states and changes that can make a difference that i have found useful i encourage you to review each of them i'm not going to share these resources with you except to, sh- to to say well I'll, I'll share the source of one of them and one of the one of the s- places that this individual got the um, got the ideas that he's resonating with is from Prager University now mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of this place and I really don't like to give them airtime but first yeah. of all they're not a university um, and they uh, 
I don't, I don't know how I want to say this. Um, the both the New York Times and the Southern Poverty Law Center has described this website, and what they do is they just you know produce these short, really like um, catchy videos that are really promoting um, very right wing conservative anti anti racism uh, talking points. That's that's who they are. And they have co-opted some fairly prominent black individuals as well to share some of these messages. So one of the things that's fascinating is, oh, look, a black person said this. So therefore, it must be okay. Right? right? So so here's the other piece that, that we need that I feel uh, is important to mention here, just as from the earliest days of, um, of slavery, right? Proximity, proximity to power right. was, was valued um, by some individuals of, of color. Um, so just as we, just as you like to say that, yeah, all white people aren't racist, Overtly, no. All black people, all people of color, aren't necessarily anti-racist either, because they found ways. Because of being close to power, they benefit from it, and right. and and take advantage of of adjacency to white supremacy culture norms. So well, that whole that whole social location thing of exactly. male heterosexual, you know, skin color, Christian background, socioeconomic status, language you speak, you know, all of these things. If you if you know, if you look at, say, eight facets of, you know, just pick eight, there's more, but eight facets of social location or, you know, our identity and only one of the eight is is the one that's not in the position of power and privilege like. Uh, say, like skin color, um, mm-hmm. you still have, there's still seven other facets that put you at the center of power and privilege. So exactly. of course, it's possible for, you know, someone that's uh, a black person to, to be in a position of what you just described, because just like white people aren't monolithic, neither yeah. are black bodies. And that doesn't make mm-hmm. it any less true. Ex- exactly, exactly. I know um, I cut you off, but I had no, to- no, I was, no. I'm agreeing. I'm agreeing with you. You were finishing my thought. That's what we do for each other. And yeah, and don't don't send me a video. Don't send me a video with Larry Elder as yes. one of your sources, or me if, either. If you don't know who Larry Elder is, look him up. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, one more, one more thing um, that uh, I want to share from the email. Um, um, was an invitation to us. Consider a shift in your presentation that delivers a message of awareness and action that applies to everyone. Um, and this was on the heels of the the, the terms that we described earlier, uh, the attributes. Um, and one of the things, again, is are the terms, if you're listening to these terms and they are making you uncomfortable, is your desire for us to use different language in a desire for comfort? Right. Because you don't like to hear these words. Again, use these words, hear these words objectively, uh, descriptively, not prescriptively. And once again, as we mentioned before, saying these things out loud does not give them more power. That's not how this works. That's a spiritual bypassing technique. It's not Voldemort. Right. Saying, it, uh, saying the word white supremacy does not give yep. white supremacy more power in our churches. Okay. Well, it's the, it's the other piece of nice racism. A lack of humility actually makes nice racists more dangerous. There you go. There's there's that there's that too. Um, let's see. Um, sorry, go ahead. Of color and using people of color like you just described to prove that it's not a thing that you're not racist or you know there isn't. Um, it's not a true thing. It's not a real, you know, that it's not real is, is also part of, of nice racism. Yes. All right. And, and to be clear, not all our feedback is negative. So (laughs) I'll share, we got time for one, got one time, time for one, one, one great reflection. And, and again, to be clear, 
when we do these workshops and we do these conferences, we do have so many people say, we are so glad that you are doing this work. You're, we're glad you're making us uncomfortable. We're glad you're, you're, you're talking, uh, about this and not around this, uh, yeah. as, as, as many of us are, are want to do. And we, and we encourage people again, um, to realize that if there's, if there's a fear around talking directly about and to this, you know, is it, is it not just the, you know, the, the, the white body need for comfort, but are some, are some traditional, uh, spiritual community church fairs being activated? If we talk about this, people won't like it. They won't show up. Uh, we'll lose members. We'll lose income. You know, all, all those fears are activated, right? And when we talk about white supremacy maintaining itself, that's sort of one of the ways that it does. Okay. I was just talking to a minister yesterday and she, she was saying that I just try, I work really hard at being, you know, when I'm talking about this to be very gentle. And, and when she was done, I suggested maybe she stopped. So trying so hard to be gentle, yeah. I don't mean be unkind and be, di- be direct. Yeah. Call, call it, call it what it is. Right. And if you want to, if you want to, if you want to add on the piece to it, you know, it's not about, again, accusation. It's not being prescriptive. We're, we're, it's being uh, descriptive uh, as well. So as many people as you think. Feedback. And that's what we have to learn how to do. Like, have to that's learn. the humility yeah. thing. Like, get over ourselves, get a little bit of a thicker skin, and be willing to be changed by what you hear. So I will say that based on purely anecdotal <laughs> feedback, as many people, not as many, I would say there've been more people who are happy and comfortable or at least willing to step into discomfort around these discussion than people who are not. Again, this is just based on anecdotal in the moment feedback and, you know, but again, not seeking to make others uncomfortable. Many of us don't often share what we really feel about a thing. Um, anyways. Um, oh, so, so this one, um, in in for another article i wrote it says this writer wrote it and said i'm so thrilled to have serious issues like this addressed i especially love the piece don't take the bypass uh near the end of his writing he asks how do you feel about these words i was feeling a resounding yes and i was doing cartwheels i'm a 55 year old white woman who lives in the suburbs of st louis missouri and i felt the inner yearning to address social justice issues through spirituality for years i'm thrilled to see it in Unity Magazine. You may get some dissenters, but as a student of Unity since 1982, I'm delighted to see it. More, please. So so we're here giving you the more. And again, just reflecting that, yes, there, there are people for whom have been uh, wanting and, and, and thirsting for these conversations. Now, again, to be clear, the whole point of the show is even if you are, and even if you've been doing good work, there's still much learning to do for for all of us to be clear that we're not committing microaggressions um if you're a white body to be clear that um you know we 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 talk about be- believing stories that are being told believing that because you show up to your spiritual community every sunday and have a very enjoyable comfortable experience doesn't mean everybody else is and right. can you believe a person of color or someone who is another gender or someone who's another orientation uh, saying to you that this is not my experience here. Can you believe them? Are you willing to believe them? Um, um, A thing I wrote in in, in another article was, are you willing to be uncomfortable so that everybody can eventually become comfortable? And I think that's, that's the, that's the rub right there, right? Uh, We've, we've created this comfortable space and you can be here as long as you don't disrupt my comfort. Well, it's the it's the uh, the practicing humility and learning from the feedback. What happens is is that uh, well, first of all, we're not. It's one of the reasons for affinity groups, right? It's one of the reasons for having groups of you know um, BIPOC group or just black bodies and just white bodies, like have them separate and doing work because. The chances of a per, a body of culture or a, or a black person to um, to give me me a white person critical feedback is not it doesn't happen often because the system is already set up to 
to be afraid to do that. Yep. Because we have this thing that's called white fragility uh, and we haven't learned how to, to receive feedback. So, cause what happens is when we get some critical feedback, we, we generally speaking here, I'm not saying every single white person, but per my experience and most people I know, we, we begin to feel mortified and we feel ashamed and we feel embarrassed and, um, and oh my gosh, I've done harm and, and our heart hurts. And now all of a sudden, you know, and then we turn into, oh, how can I make this better or please, you know, ask for forgiveness or something. And what we've just done is made it about us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is the, that's what makes it so problematic and so insidious is that um, I'm asking, you know, I'm asking you to help me feel better. And it's like, ah, <laughs> stop. And, and, and speaking of, speaking of helping you feel better, I, I hereby declare that I don't think we no longer need to qualify by saying, of course, we're not talking about every white person. Of course, we're not talking about every church. Of course, we're not talking about every minister. Of course, we're not talking about every congregant. Of course, we're not talking about every black person. I don't feel we need to say that anymore. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. I'm talking to you and I'm talking to me because I'm finding myself doing it a lot. And I realize yeah. I'm doing it because yeah. that's the pushback that I got. And in right. my, in my, you know, again, one of these one of these white supremacy cultural norms, my need to make you feel comfortable is to go like, well, of course, I'm not talking about every person. But the problem with when I say that is then if you don't feel you're one of those people, you go like, then he's not talking about me. <laughs> right. And you just pull yourself out of the equation. So so so, yeah, I'm not I don't think I'm going to say that anymore. <laughs> right. Yes. Good. I Good thing. That's so, all, that's all got. Uh, so the so the idea of learning from feedback is, and the connection to the affinity groups is, go be with, you know, gather your own and process your difficult feelings with, you know, other white folks or other black folks. Like go, go do that because it we yeah. we just really quickly move into making it about us and and then just whatever and then we hold on to them. Then we hold on to it. Of shame, and we stay stuck. Yeah. And, yeah. If you would like a safe, brave space to do that, we provide that. Um, uh, we do again affinity groups twice a month. The first Wednesday of the month, it's uh, it's, which is it's tomorrow if, night. Which is tomorrow night. If you're listening, December first, December. Uh, it's uh, uh, both white bodies and bodies of color culture all in discussion together. The third Wednesday of the month, we divide into the two groups. Um, visit projectsanctus.com uh, for more information about these affinity groups. And again, December 14th, it'll be our last show of the calendar year. We want to hear from you. Please share us your, give us your thoughts. You can hit us up on social media. You can email either Kelly or Ogan at projectsanctus.com. Sign up for a newsletter in the newsletter is the link for that anonymous form. And we're going to post that somewhere online as well. Thank you for listening. Thank with you. love and justice for all that mm. has continued to create a world of love, justice, and equanimity that works for all. Bye.